Hi everyone, it's Matt Bloomfield at Wickham Wanderers and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show. In the week that Mr Wickham, uh, Matt Bloomfield, announced his retirement from professional football on medical grounds. What an absolute legend. I know that that word is bandied around a lot, but when you've been with the uh, club since 2003 and been through so, so much, as Matt Bloomfield has, uh, then yes, we, we take our hats off to you uh, and salute you, sir. He does join a very elite club of uh, people who have played over 500 times for the club, which, which if we say it quickly, f- over 500 times. But, that, but yes, <laughs> your, your, your mind does boggle, actually. Think of all of those times that's sort of like coming out the tunnel and whatever. That's a, that's a lot of times. On a wet Tuesday night in, um, in <laughs> yes, somewhere. Yes. Somewhere a long way away. Up in Morecambe. So uh, Matt Bloomfield spoke to our very own, as they like to say, uh, Bob on this morning's mid-morning as part of his press conference speaking to members of the media and Bob uh, to uh, announce his retirement, which was obviously confirmed yesterday. Uh, we'll be giving you the chance to hear uh, much of that. Uh, also, uh, we'll hear from uh, Bob as well. He was at Adams Park on Saturday uh, for the MK Dons game. I like the way that you see you left a little pause there. Bob again. In a, in a, oh no, we've got to hear from Bob again. Uh, yes, indeed, I was at the MK Dons game. We could just leave a gap if you prefer. Yeah, it, <laughs> Wouldn't be the same show if we didn't. We, we will also be hearing uh, from uh, Gareth Ainsworth with his thoughts uh, about events both on and off the pitch uh, at, uh, in the game uh, against MK Dons. And we'll also hear uh, from Bayo as well. In between all that, we'll catch up with former coach Jim Melvin as well, who worked uh, under, uh, well, a number of managers, as you'll hear. Uh, and uh, now, uh, today, has uh, flown back from the old firm Derby. Uh, he's a Celtic season ticket holder, but lives just outside Gerrard's Cross. That is very, very Which impressive. Logistically, sounds challenging, doesn't it? I mean, does he literally go to all the games? You know, no. does, does he? Oh, do, okay. All right, that's more interesting, you know. Because you would imagine that he would go to the old firm game, whereas, Absolutely. you know, when they're playing... Dundalk. Uh, yeah, indeed, yes. <laughs> but no, I don't think they play them very often, because that's the that's that's League of Ireland side. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Can, so, can so, we do that you know, out of the podcast? In the, yes, in the, in the uh, what's it called, Europa Conference League. Yes, they might that, that or something. But yes, I was more thinking, you know, when they're playing Stenhouse Muir, does he then think, oh yeah, I'm going to go to that? Probably not. Uh, but first of all, we must say as well, uh, a happy Bean with the Shot Day, um, because it is four years uh, since Marcus Bean scored that fantastic goal uh, as we beat uh, Carlisle 4-3 at Adams Park. So. Where did I get Dundalk from? I thought that was very good. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. That was the first thing that came into my head that was wearing, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, like I Scottish like, you, know, side. you could see them playing Celtic in an, in an early, yeah, that's you know, true, yeah. early European game. Sort when July. You know, in indeed, July. Yeah, you know, when it seems slightly harsh that, you know, <laughs> all of the really small countries then have to play, you know, sort of like some of the, the, the bigger teams from, from other I countries. I imagine Jim would go to that game because it, you it, reckon? It, it, if it's in July as well, yeah. it'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Especially if it's away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for season ticket holders they probably get a really good deal anyway uh, Matt Bloomfield is the story obviously that uh, that everyone is literally talking about and quite rightly so as we say uh, played over 500 times for the club uh, unfortunately due to uh, five concussions in four years had to call time on his career uh, obviously currently a coach uh, at the club as well and uh, quite sad in a way that well very sad obviously that uh, a game against Exeter last August proved to be his last yeah very much so and a game that probably quite a lot of Chairboys fans who maybe even were there uh, have, that definitely had a 
signs to the very much the back of their mind by now. Um, and if you were there, you can probably picture David Stockdale um, performing heroics uh, during the penalty shootout when not only he saved a couple, but he also scored. Um, but now, very much the you know the the image that comes to mind from that game um, is Joe Jacobson taking a a very f- quick free kick, which unfortunately hit Matt Bloomfield on the back of the head, which resulted in Matt having to come off uh, the pitch. Um, and uh, really, uh, very sadly, the the rest is history. Quite literally. Quite literally. Uh, and Matt uh, also appeared on this morning's Mid Morning chatting to Bob. And uh, uh, what you didn't hear was a number of the other members of the media asking him some questions afterwards. A little bit emotional after a busy day um, with the announcement yesterday, but I've been so touched by all the replies and messages I've had. So um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really big day. So it's been it's been lovely in so many ways, apart from the fact that. Obviously, the disappointment of my career ending in, in the circumstances, but um, yeah, it's been in really touching in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, take us back to that game at Exeter City, which uh, for those, and I think there are about uh, over 100 of us there, um, probably is a game that we, we remember currently or, or certainly did up until yesterday for David Stockdale's heroics. What actually happened in that game? Because, goodness me, you've been involved in some really bad clashes over the years with regards to injuries and head clashes and whatever. But this one actually looked quite innocuous initially. Yeah, I think, and that was probably one of the main main issues that it was an innocuous uh, contact, the ball on the back of my head, and, and um, the concussion that that I received, and the um, the implications um, that followed um, didn't really resonate and, and align with the actual impact. So that was when one of the uh, one of the red flags was was risen for the doctors. Um, the ball, JJ went to take a quick free kick, and I hold, I hold nothing against Joe. It was part of the game. Um, there's risk involved in the game. It struck me on the back of my head, and and unfortunately, not reached the ground. That the, the repercussions of of that incident lasted for a good few weeks. Um, affected my and my mood, my energy levels, fatigue levels were high. Um, I struggled to see light in in some of the things that usually gave me great delight in my life, and um, even little little tasks seemed a lot harder than what they they possibly should have been. So um, those those things sort of continued for a while, and, and I knew that this was a different concussion to to what I'd suffered in the past. Um, saw uh, a few different uh, medical experts and, and, and garnered opinion and, and the opinion was that I couldn't I couldn't um, take any any chances with my future brain brain health so I don't even train anymore in case a ball hits me I don't even join in with anything I've literally tried to eliminate as much as much risk out of my life as I possibly can because um, yeah the implications of a further uh, a concussion could be could be even worse. The good news is that you are going to continue very much as a chairboy, aren't you? You are going to continue, and we've seen you this season uh, standing there next to Dobbo's, ne- next to Gareth on on the pitch, uh, uh, you know, in that coaching role. Yeah, um, the 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 good thing that the incident has given me is um, since August I've been I've been acting as a coach rather than a player coach. It's given me six months head start into that role than where I possibly could have been. So um, for every um, there's, for every cloud, there's a silver lining, if you know what I mean, and that's that's what it's been for me. I've I've really enjoyed the six months um, working alongside the gaffer and Dobbo and tried to have have an input. I've been really really pleased with how they've listened to my opinions, but also, you know, my respect for for the job they've done over the years. Um, you know, I can't understate how how much I respect those two gentlemen. So I'm never going to try and tread on anyone's toes. I'm just trying to add add my little bit of value to the to what we do around here as well. And I, and I've absolutely loved it. Um, so 
you know, long may that continue. I'm, I'm, I'm here until the end of the season on my contract already. And, and, you know, I know the club hopes and I hope that, um, that will continue further. So, um, I hope, hope that I'm not going anywhere any, anytime soon. And when you look back then all the way back to, to 2003, tell us some of the, the, the highlights of, of your Wickham Wanderers career. Obviously, you, you played one game for Ipswich Town and then all the rest for us. Yeah, um, you know, living out of boyhood um, dream playing for Ipswich Town, that one appearance was, was obviously a, a massive highlight for me at that stage. But Wickham's become my club um, for the last 18 years. Um, you know, the, 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 the win at Torquay and escaping relegation was, was a big highlight. Um, and then I think, obviously, it goes without saying that I enjoyed my testimonial. But the day at Wembley on, you know, the July, July the thirteenth, twenty twenty, will live in my memory forever. It was um, it was probably a culmination of many different emotions in terms of the injuries I'd suffered. I'd been written off at the club um, ten years ago. I'd um, missed a penalty in the League Two playoffs in in twenty fifteen, and and that all came came out of that night at Wembley and the emotion and the euphoria. Uh, and the elation of that night will will never leave me. You know what we managed to achieve as a football club and as a group of people to to go above and beyond and take this club into the championship um, for the first time in its 133 year history was, you know, just stuff dreams are made of. Um, so to captain the club and and lift the trophy on the pitch at Wembley was just beyond my wildest dreams, and that will hands down go down as my my favourite footballing memory. Fantastic. Well, Matt, on behalf of all Wicked Wanderers fans who are listening, thank you so much for your service. We are so, so very grateful for everything that you have done for Wicked Wanderers um, over the last 19 years. And we definitely look forward to seeing you uh, still at Adams Park in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, hello, Matt. How are you? Hi, John. I'm very well. Thank you, mate. How are you doing? You well? Yeah, yeah good. It's good, good to catch up with you again. I'm, it's just, it's obviously, it's slightly a shame it's in, in these circumstances, but... I mean, you've, you've got a career to, to look back on and, and, and be proud of. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, just first of all, what, what do you think you're going to miss most? Uh, I'm going to miss the changing room, being in, the, in with the boys every day, the camaraderie, um, that feeling at five to three when you're going out with, with your teammates, shoulder to shoulder, going out to battle with, with 11 other lads. And, you, you know, the, the be, all, be all and end all is the result. I'm going to miss that real camaraderie and, and togetherness that we've created in the changing room here um, and the feeling that, you know, um, we're going out to battle against them and, and we want to win more than they do. And that, that's what I'm going to miss. The everyday training, I, I really miss the training in terms of trying to be better every day and trying to um, drag every last little bit of potential out of my body and out of my career. And I, I miss that drive of, of having to be the best I can possibly be every day. So that's what, how I've lived for the last you know, 21 year and a half years since I've left school. And, and I'm, I do miss that. Um, but at the same time, it's about transferring that drive into being the best coach I can possibly be and trying to create a future for myself at this club and, and create a, a better future for my wife and my girls. And that's what I'm going to try and put all my energies into now. And yeah, great. And what about um, just in the future? I mean, would you like to be Wickham Wanderers manager one day? Ah, you're trying to put words in my uh, in my mouth there. I like it, John. Um, I, I, I would love I would love to continue my journey at this football club. That's that's for sure. I love coaching. I love um, trying to be a, a leader. You know, as a captain, I loved I loved having the responsibility of being a leader out on the pitch. 
And I've certainly enjoyed doing that as a coach alongside the gaffer and Dobbo. Um, and so first and foremost, my, my focus is on, on, um, on creating a future for myself and my family by coaching and, and, and being the best possibly possible coach I can be. Um, never say never. I'd, I'd, I'd love to be a manager one day. And, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that that opportunity may present itself at some point, but First and foremost, um, I'm here as a coach and I'm here to, to help the gaffer and Dobbo and try, and try and help this football club keep moving forward. Great. And just one other sort of main sort of topic that sort of, sort of comes to mind from, from the retirement. I'm giving you, was... you a headline there, by the way, John. I should have... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Um, was um, just about the, about with the head injuries and, and, and that... Obviously, the, the, you want to hopefully help maybe with the PFA with initiatives about head injuries and concussions and things like that in the, in the future. Um, how important is that is that to you as on a on a kind of more serious sort of side? No, no, John, I, I, it's so serious. I'm really passionate about trying to help um, because you know there's there's risk attached to anything in life and there's risk in football. And we can't take that risk away in terms of you know I'm not going to sit here and say there shouldn't be any head in. What what I would like to do is to have. Um, more money um, dedicated to research so players know if they have a head injury exactly where they stand instead of in, in terms of their future brain health. Um, I would like there to be more education to current players, you know, because I know over the years I've had to learn, but certainly, you know, my reaction every time has been, don't get me off. I need to play on. I want to play. I need to play. Um, so I need think there needs to be more education to current players around um, around you know, the education in terms of their brain health and, and also helping former players, you know, footballers are three and a half times more likely to get dementia than um, the average man on the street. And, and, and so the, the risks are there. And so if players come into trouble later on in life, I, I do believe that there should be a certain level of help um, afforded to them and their family. So it's something I'm obviously passionate about. Um, my granddad didn't play football, but he suffered with dementia um, at the end of his days. And I saw him um, suffer. And, and it's something that scares scares me of what might be in future life. So it's something I'm, I'm really passionate about, John. And it's something that I'm really fortunate to have a little bit of a, a platform to try and help promote this subject. So if I can help, you know, the next generation of footballers even more so than, than the current generation, then then that's what I'd like to do. On, on a point, on, on a more positive note, just to sort of kind of like finish off with, uh, you know, how, how good is it to be involved in a in potentially a, a promotion season or certainly a promotion challenge this season with Gareth and the boys in obviously in, in League One, hoping to get back in the Championship again? Well, it's been absolutely brilliant so far. Um, you know, a couple of disappointing results the last two weeks, but um, we know we know what we've got in the change room. We know what we are as a club. Um, you know, I still believe we're, we're punching above our weight for where we are as a club. You know, look at some of the budgets and some of the clubs that are involved at the top of the league. But having said that, that's not being, uh, that's not being pessimistic. I know that, that we've got a great football club here. We achieved promotion two years ago. We've got a manager who's done it before and, and a coaching staff who've been there and done it. And we've got players in that change room who I've either, um, you know, experienced it here two years ago, or they've been at other clubs and played at higher levels. So, um, you know, we're, we're really positive about this. It's really exciting time to be at Wickham Wanderers since, you know, Rob and Pete Kuhig took over two years ago. Um, the club's gone from strength to strength. And as owners, they've been, they've been incredibly supportive for me and also, you know, the lads in the change room and the club as a whole, and we're developing all the time. So it's a really exciting time to A, be involved at Wickham Wanderers and B, be involved in this season because, 
you know, we've got 17 games to go and um, three months of the season, which will go by in a flash. So we have to make sure we savour every moment and make sure that every day and every match matters because at the end of the season, all those little moments add up and, and give you your end results. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting our teeth stuck into the last last 17 games. Brilliant, Matt. Thanks very much. And, no worries. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah. Lovely to see you, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Take care, now. Alex, mate. Are you all right? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Just to ask about the last year, I know you the incident happened when you got uh, hit with the ball last season. What has that last few months been like? How have you been trying to come back? Or is it? did you know pretty early on you wouldn't be able to continue playing? Um, yeah, so I haven't tried to come back at all. I've not trained once since that incident at Exeter just because... Um, we needed to explore every avenue um, because of the because of the, um, the repercussions of that incident and because how I felt and how uh, the delayed um, or, the, or the effects were ongoing, if you know what I mean. I knew that it, this was different to the other concussions. Um, so we had to explore every opinion and every advice we could get before I made that decision to go into, you know, a couple of times I tried to start exercising and I didn't feel right, so I had to stop. Um, you know, I was I was doing things like, you know, reading with my girls and I, I wasn't present. I wasn't, you know, I, I was struggling to see the light and everything. So it was, it was a tough time. I knew this was different and I knew that, you know, the effects were different and, and more severe. So um, we, 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 we went down all the routes, we explored everything. And that's how we've got to this point six months, nearly six months later of, of announcing the retirement. I've known for, for a little while that it was kind of coming, but you know, it's one thing knowing it's possibly happening and another thing to actually do it. So the last 24 hours have been, um, yeah, quite emotional. It's been quite a big moment for me because, as you know, I've, I've loved my career. I've cherished every moment of it and I've elongated it as much as I possibly can. So, um, yeah, at no point was there ever a, a comeback trail as such because I was never in a position where I was given any any shed of light that that, there may, that may be a possibility. Thank you. And then just, I know you said the doctor said you had to protect your future brain health and you didn't try to come back, but did they say what might happen if you ca- if you carried on? I think because because of um, the results of the last one and and how serious it was and you know still now I forget the odd word when I'm just not you know it, it gets really frustrating and being out on the training pitch people are kicking balls around and I'm I'm really kind of I'm quite nervous around that sort of scenario so it, there's ongoing things that I'm I'm dealing with my my balance isn't great either if I go on um, little rides with the girls and then I'm then I'm struggling as well so there's, there's ongoing things. Um, and I just think that for, for personally, you know, it, it doesn't even bear thinking about what might. I think that's when the, one, of the, one of the doctors said to me, you know, under his watch, he can't he can't let me step back out on a pitch because of the damage I've already done and the, the effects of the last one. He doesn't even dare thinking about what another one may do to me. So I've, I've never had it. You know, this is X, Y and Z. I think one of the one of the things that I've been frustrated over the last six months and why I really want to help change is that there's not enough research out there. There needs to be more research. There needs to be more studies done on the brain because it's one part of the body that um, that that there still needs to be more development and more research into. So so we have more more clarity around what's going on with players um, and whether they when they can return to play, how quickly they can return to play. Um, so that's why I'm I'm really passionate about helping helping people moving forward. Thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate nice it. Nice to chat. Cheers, mate. I've seen a few fans talk about um, retiring your shirt number. For that even to be talked about, you know, within the fan base, what what does that mean to you and how the fans have you know reacted? 
Yeah, I, I don't think anything can really prepare you for the reaction that um, I got yesterday. And, you know, the way that the supporters, the amount of messages I've got, I've still not had a chance to make sure I've read it. And, I, and I'm going to, I've made a you know, deal with myself that I'm going to read everyone, every single message I can possibly find to reply to people and say thank you. And if I don't, then I apologise in advance. But, you know, so even someone suggests that you might retire a number or, or something in that breath is just so touching. You know, I've been here... Um, you know, I've, I've loved playing for this football club. It's meant the world to me to do so. My relationship with the supporters has been incredible over over such a long period of time. And to think you've really touched people to that degree, um, it's really hard to kind of, really hard to take in, if you know what I mean. Because I was just yeah. a normal guy going about my job, trying to, you know, earn a living and, and do the best I can for my employers and, and the people who I've, I've made relationships along the way. But I think what it's really reiterated to me is, in, it's getting a bit deep, but in life and, and in football, it's all about those relationships you build with people and those experiences, those shared experiences that you have together and the bonds you make. And, and the longer you're at somewhere and the more you go through the highs and the lows and the, the good and the bad, those bonds become stronger and deeper. And then when something like yesterday's announcement happens, it, it makes you realize that um, you do have such strong bonds with people. And so I'd like to thank everybody for those messages and even to consider doing something like that i don't i didn't expect it but yeah thank you very much for everyone's kind thoughts really nice to hear from uh, matt and obviously interesting uh, s- some suggestions there's been talk of a statue uh, there's been reti- retiring the share there's uh, i'm sure all sorts of fitting fitting tributes yeah there's going to be a special tribute on good friday when we're home to plymouth argyle uh, but i think what's really nice is that obviously we haven't got a game unfortunately this weekend but we are home of course to shrewsbury shrewsbury depending on how you say it uh, on Tuesday night uh, and I'm pretty sure that Matt will get a fantastic reception uh, you know, where, whenever he comes out onto uh, the pitch um, even if, if it's not sort of like an official thing uh, you know definitely yeah I think, think all of us who are going along to Adams Park on Tuesday will, will salute uh, the great man oh, very well deserved as well uh, still to come on the Wickham Wanderer show we'll hear from Jim Melvin in a few moments time uh, we'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and Adebayo Akinfenwar as well online on Radio Player and on 106 106- 6.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Hi everyone, it's Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham Wanderers. And make sure you come down to Adams Park for our next home match to support the Chairboys. Get your tickets now from tickets.wwfc.com and we'd love to see you there. It's the Wickham Wanderers show with Colin and Bob. We will be reflecting on the game against the MK Dons, uh, hearing from Gareth Ainsworth and also Adebayo Akin and Fenwa uh, later on in the show. That was a very good bit. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes you think, oh, it, 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 it goes really well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yes. But normally, around this time on the Wickham Wanderers show, we get to chat from uh, somebody from the uh, Wickham Wanderers Ex-Player Association uh, with uh, big thanks to Alan Hutchinson and JDT. And uh, this week... Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, that was quite a small thank you, that one, wasn't it? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that was a big thank you. Uh, we've uh, been catching up with former coach Jim Melvin, uh, who, of course, worked under a number of managers during his time at the club. Uh, here's how he first got started with them. I was coaching at, at, at Flackle Heath, and, uh, and um, I always, also wanted to do my badges. I'd, I'd, I'd packed up playing about a season before, which probably came as a surprise to people who thought I'd packed up about five seasons before that. Um, and um, Jim Kelman at the time was doing the, the, the FA badges. And... Um, if you, I don't know if you remember, but Wickham drew, I think it was Hyde United in the FA Trophy. And I was going to be in Manchester around the same time as they were playing one Tuesday night. And I said to Jim, look, do you want me to have a look at them for you? Because he didn't have MD going up. 
and he said, yeah. I sent him the report and he, and he asked me to bring Flacco down to Bisham the week before the game to set up the same way as Hyde did. And believe it or not, we, we beat Wickham that night 1-0. Um, and I think that, memory says, I think that was the result of the Hyde United game as well. And after that, he contacted me and, and asked if he wanted to redo the reserves in the youth team, asked me if I would join, and, and that was where it came from. So what was that like, that sort of transition? Because you started, as you say, with the youth team, then up to the reserves, and then, then the seniors. Well, at the time, if you remember, I mean, Jim, great guy. I've you know, known Jim for a while, and, and um, he'd done a fantastic job at Maidenhead as well, if you remember. And um, he was struggling. You know, the team had, had gone through a bit of transition, and he, and he asked me if I would join in and help him with the first team, which I was happy to do. And then, of course, there was the, um, the terrible result against Met Police, and Jim left the club, and and I thought I would believe in with him, to be honest with you, because that's what normally happens, and that's maybe what should happen. But both him and Ivor, um, who was the chairman at the time, asked me if I would I would hang on and and work with God rest them, Johnny Reardon and um, and Paul Franklin, who he brought up as well to, to to help coach the team. And then when Martin came in again, I thought, well, I'll be going now because he'll bring his own staff. But he didn't. He, you know, he'd obviously been in Nottingham and um, and said, "No, let's let's see how it goes." And and that was really it. And and Martin wanted everybody involved, and and so it went. I mean, it's such a key role, isn't it, to be a coach? And I think many fans, you know, they, they might see you only perhaps in you know in the dugout with the manager, or they might only see you in a sort of team group lineup, or but they, they might not have any sort of knowledge of what goes on behind the scenes, um, even between games or during a game. It must be quite re- really rewarding for you to, but to have such a key role and to be working with with players, uh, especially you know in those days we, we, before they were even you know full time. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, Martin was very clear. <laughs> he, I remember him telling me. Um, Listen, pal, I want you to get some players through from the youth team. I'd like to see them, you know, go on to be professionals. Um, I won't come to watch too many games because by the time you get them through, I might have gone. But it was exactly the opposite with the reserves because we often had squad players playing for the reserves. And I have to say, he was the only manager that I worked with who was at every reserve game. And it didn't matter where it was, South End, you name it, Martin was there. And he would he would watch the games and and it was great because he would give you an insight and and sometimes that um, he, he would give you an insight as to what he thought which was maybe so different to what you had seen so it was a great learning curve and I remember him saying to me once we were at Cambridge and the fad had become that people made notes on the touchline and and I'd followed the fad and I was making notes and he did say to me. If, if you if you can't remember what's happened in forty five minutes, you've got a problem. <laughs> um, so as, as only Martin would. So um, in, in in that regard, it was a, it was a great learning curve. There's no question of that. And and watching players develop. In fact, we had the first. I mean, we won a few trophies with the youth team, leagues and cups and stuff. But that wasn't really the point. The point was to try and get somebody through. And, and of course, the first professional through the youth team um, was Alex Norman, who who Martin picked up and signed the centre forward. I think he had a few first team games. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him in the end. But he was—he certainly came through the system. Well, you mentioned Martin. We had Martin on the on the show. What, 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 you must have so many memories. But what, what, what were your kind of thoughts of, uh, and experiences of working alongside him? I've never worked with him to quite like it. He was—he was a force of nature. He is a force of nature. And and the problem was that straight after him, of course, the the manager after him, Alan Smith, I would argue, suffered as a direct result of that. 
But um, I, I tell you, one of my overriding memories of Martin is that um, you always knew where you stood. Whether you liked it, whether you didn't, you knew where you stood. And, and that's all you can ask for out of somebody, total honesty. But I remember one game, and it still lives with me. We played Coventry in the League Cup, or the Milk Cup, whatever it was called at that time. And we lost, I think, 3-0 up there. And then we brought them back to Wickham. The boys were all pretty nervous. I think it was on the television as well, if I remember, memory serves me right. And um, Martin called that game exactly as it happened. It was like reading a book. He said, you know, keep it tight for 20, 3-0 down. You just have to get one goal. Come in 1-0 up. And that was what we did. Keith Ryan scored. He said, look, just play for the second. Don't worry about the, the overall score. Play for the second. We got a second, and then a few minutes before the end of full time, we got a third. And he called, he called it exactly the way those Premier League players would be playing. I think Bobby Gould was the manager of, of, of Coventry then. Uh, Jason scored. He asked Jason to take any direct free kicks around the box, going into extra time when we got the team in the huddle. Jason scored. And I think ultimately we lost in away goals. But I remember sitting in the dressing room after the game and we were all so disappointed at going out. But Martin had called that game like reading a book. And I, I, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. And of course, his sense of humour is, is legendary. I mean, it, 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 can be, it can be incredibly caustic and funny. And I've seen him, you know, with, with, with various players, you know. Um, I know the story about him asking one player if he was religious. And when the lad said, yeah, he had religious beliefs, Martin said to him, he said, well, I suggest you go to some church tomorrow and pray for some ability. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was great to learn from it and a great character. Um, and, and yeah, lucky to have worked with him. I mean, I think so many fans as well, don't they? Depending on their age, I guess, have particular favourite sort of eras, and they think their era is the best. But to be working with, um, you know, many of these these players that we've we've had on the show as well, people like Glenn Creaser and, and Matt Crossley and Keith Ryan and, and Paul Hyde uh, recently as well, we spoke to and Keith Scott. It must have been fantastic for you to be to be coaching them. It was it was great. I mean, most of my time was was spent with um, obviously working with the reserves and also working with Heidi, um, who's who's a great character. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was such. It was, it, it was such a, what's the word I'm looking for, a unique set of, set of people. Um, you know, Scotty, Jason, um, Martin Blackler, um, Guts, Gary Smith, Andy Kerr, who I know thinks in, South, um, in Singapore, Stuart Cash, all of them. They were just such a great, and everybody got on. There was no cliques, and Martin was very, very, very clear that he just did not have cliques in the dressing room. You were either in it or you weren't. You know, and boys like Simon Stapleton, John. Even after he'd gone with boys like John Williams, if you remember the Flying Postman, who, who were just great characters, and and that group of people were just very special. Which is why I think you know we occasionally still get together. You know, boys are all over the place now, but occasionally still get together. Westy, it, it, it's just a real pleasure to see them. It, it's that simple because it was so unique. And to be involved in you know groups that, that got to Wembley, obviously for the, the trophy final and the playoff finals, that must have been so special as well. Obviously the, the day itself, but also the, the, the sort of the, the journey, if you like, of getting there. Yeah, no, listen, it was great. I mean, the, the, the first one, I, I remember we went up to, I think, Northwich Victoria in the quarter final, and uh, we beat them um, up there, and we double them in the semi-final, 1-2-1 in the, the game from being 1-0 down. And we went to Altrincham and we stayed in a certain hotel, I think near Stoke, on, for the Northwich game. I remember saying to the, the gaffer, 
we've got to stay in the same hotel, we've got to have the same food, we've got to do this. All the, all the nonsense that goes with it, you know, the sort of... And he, and he was very, very superstitious as, as well, Martin. So in, in that regard, we stayed there and, of course, we went up. I remember Gary Smith, um, who's now Nashville, I think, with Gubbs uh, coaching, and he was out injured and he had a cast on his hand and he was banging on Altrincham's door. Or I think he, I think he actually smashed the window, if memory serves me right. Um, just to get everybody going. And, of course, we won there 2-0. And the journey back from Altrincham will live with me forever. Um, it was just fantastic. And we got back to the ground at some earthly hour, and there was loads of supporters there. And that was what it meant to people. Uh, and that's sometimes what people forget, just exactly what it means to you as a supporter. It was, it was fabulous. And, again, going back to Wembley in 91, I remember Martin keeping the boys in the dressing room a wee bit longer than the FA wanted them. So the Kidderminster were in the tunnel um, under pressure. And, you know, I'm not sure if it actually helps any, but it certainly made them a wee bit more nervous. And I remember those kind of things. Martin said, stay here, let them wait, let them wait. Great, great days, great days. You never, certainly I didn't, never thought I would see those kind of days. And yet, you know, here you are, you've been, you've been lucky enough to be part of, a, as I say, a unique set of people led by a very unique uh, manager three times and, 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 and won three times. So the team won three times. So in, in, in that regard, they, they don't get more special than that. You know, and, and look back on them with, with very fond memories. And as I say, some of the, the celebrations back at Adams Park and, and the people that were there, just fantastic. And, you know, I, I remember when the, the boys won the first one in 91, you know, people crying, grown men crying. That's what it meant to them. That was how much it meant. Oh, fantastic for you that you got to, to stay on after Martin left and still work with, with other managers as well, like, like Alan and, and uh, John Gregory as well. Well, yeah, I mean, Alan... It didn't go great. It didn't go great. But um, but I remember. I mean, Alan almost tried to make his Crystal Palace to some extent, and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't work out for him. But I do remember. I think it was. I think it was. It was at ninety six, and um, I think we'd only about four points by the September or October, and we went to to, to Peterborough and three one up, lost six three. If memory serves me right, and I went home that night thinking. This is no good. And about nine o'clock, half past nine that night, the chairman rang and it was Ivor. And he said, be in my office at half past nine Sunday morning, don't be late, and put the phone down. And I thought, right, okay, well, I guess I know what's coming now. And um, turned up with Neil, Neil Smiley, who's one of the best coaches I've, I've ever worked with. And, and a guy who was that never really got the credit he deserved. He's such a lovely guy and such a good coach, very detailed and we arrived thinking, well, this is it. But in the end, it was Alan who was sacked. And surprisingly, David Kemp, because I thought David Kemp was a really good coach also. And he said, right, Neil was going to take over as, as caretaker with myself, Terry, in the dressing room with the players and um, get on with it. And I remember I was saying, if you do well, you, you know, you'll both be considered. Um, I never really thought that would be the case. But with five games... Two of them were against the top teams at the time, Bristol City and um, Stockport County, I think it was. And Bristol were, Joe Jordan was managing them alongside Johnny Gorman, um, who's an old pal. And um, we beat Rotherham 4-2, I think, in the first game. And then Notts County. 
and we're thinking this is easy. So with four points, we've now got six. And then we lost at Bournemouth and so on and so forth. But John Gregory came in after that um, with Richard Hill. John's a good guy. He was he, he was fair to me. He was really good. I thought he was good with the players. The players liked him. I offered me a new contract, but at the same time, I'd been offered a business opportunity, the one, the one that I'm in. And for me, and you know, as my other half used to say, um, it said Wickham Wanderers on the gates, but I thought it said Barcelona. Um <laughs> But, you know, reality kicks in. You've got to look after family and, and, and I, I chose to do that. But then you returned to the club as well with, with Neil Smiley as well, which must have felt quite different. It, it, it did. It did. And if you remember at the time, we set up the Centre of Excellence and I had also for a while uh, taken on the, um, the community stuff. But I did it under my own company and got it up to about seven, I think it was about 70 schools. And we got the Centre of Excellence going and, and so on and so forth uh, before, before moving on. Neil was, as I say, I don't think Neil gets the credit he deserves. He was a really, really decent coach and, and a very decent man. He, he's still counting Neil as a friend. And he was he, he was he was just a good guy who wanted the best. And, and, and for a while, players just wanted to do the best for him outside of the fact, as I say, he was just a very, very decent coach. And his son playing for me a while, a while at Marlow, uh, Jack, and as I said, working with Neil was, was really good because he, he, he really got everybody involved in the detail of coaching and, and, and what, he, what he wanted and how he wanted it. So, um, yeah, he, he did really well. I think one of the things that must be so rewarding uh, as a coach as well is to, to sort of watch players develop and, and perhaps uh, perhaps even you don't realise, but the kind of the impact that you have on them. I think I was doing what can loosely be described as research for our chat and I, I came across all sorts of quotes from youngsters saying that, um, well, probably not youngsters now, but they were saying, you know, in, in the conference days, as they called it, which sounds like it was something after the Elizabethan times, that they, they, they remember you coming to their school and coaching them and, and how much they enjoyed the sessions. And I was looking on the, the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association website and, and uh, JDT had put that we'd be chatting to you and there were a couple of really nice things saying that, that you were manager when uh, Damien this guy was in the youth team in the early 90s he said you're a tough man but a great guy he was also the men's first team coach at Marlow when I was there and ladies team manager in the middle to late 2000s as well um, David Melly this sounds like you died he's put a tr- these, these aren't tr- tributes but it's nice to know isn't it people are saying yeah, yeah, yeah. he says it's been a while since I heard Jim's dulcet tones a quiet Scottish lilt although they were quite a bit louder when he was shouting at me from the touchline during my time playing under him for the youth team uh, but a great guy and really enjoyed the times working alongside him as youth team development uh, throughout the uh, early 90s so it's fantastic to know that you've got you've had that sort of impact on on players at all different stages of their careers Ah, that, that's, that's lovely to hear, and I really appreciate it. I mean, with, with some good lads come through, I can think of some boys in the youth team that I think could and, and possibly should have gone on further. Obviously, I mentioned Alec Norman, Mark Skirafa was a lad, Dave, Damien, um, who, who was at the club. With, with, some, with some good lads come through, and, and, it, and it, was, it was good because we had to start locally and, and work from into out to try and get players down to the club. And at one point, we used to have trials every summer for, or you could get three, four hundred people sometimes coming in for trials and trying to get that down to a group of people that you wanted to work with. But it was it was infancy for the youth team. And and to be fair, you know, I, I know finances are, are a huge part of what people do these days. But it's a real shame that at this point, the, the, the club doesn't have, have, have the youth team, although I understand that there's that that's what they want to get back to. And, and that will be great the day they do it because... If you're attracting local players and you see them develop, as indeed I was lucky enough to do, 
in, in many cases. And, and even if they don't actually get to where they want to be at Wickham, if they're developing and then go on to another club and they're playing football and, and, and playing at a good level, it's really good. And it's good for them. More importantly, it's good for them. So it'd be nice to see at some point, and as I say, I know there's ambitions to do so, the club getting back to, to, to being able to attract local talent. But it is so very costly at this time. And you mentioned your business. People may not know that, that you're still connected with the club today. I am. I am. Um, now, just very quickly, what happened was I, I run a facilities management group of companies and, and cleaning is part of that. And when Wickham got to the playoff semi-final against Fleetwood, it was in the middle of lockdown. And um, I was suddenly sitting one... I'd watched the game on the Friday. The, the game at Wickham was on the Tuesday, I think. And I suddenly thought, I wonder who's doing all the sanitisation because, you know, that's how interesting the life I now lead. And I phoned Peter and said, who's doing it for you? And he said to me, he said, oh, he said, we were just talking about that. Can you help? So we did. And I sent, I've got a specialist group of lads, sent them up to to, to, to sanitise the ground. And we agreed a contract. And um, so going from some coaching team to now being in charge of the, of the cleaning of it, and I'm, I'm trying to dress that up as a success. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's true, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been fine. It's been fine, and uh, we we now do the training ground as well, and, and so on and so forth. So yeah, and we're going to sponsor a couple of games. I think Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth. I'm going to sponsor those games. You're looking uh, at developing a different sort of sweeper system, perhaps. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Different from a marking system, where I mark his <laughs> knees and you mark his ankles. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it's worked fine. And Peter and, and Neil Peters, who, who I work with there, are uh, both very very good guys. So just finally, what's your kind of overall uh, memories or reflections of your of your time at the club? Just been lucky, I suppose, um, and I mean that in the nicest possible sense. You know, uh, you know, all the things about working with players and and uh, you know and. and Never really sure I wanted to be a, a, a manager or, or indeed not sure I was ever going to be good enough to be a manager, but, but I always loved working with players. I just loved working with them on the field and, and hopefully seeing them getting better. But my overriding thing is that throughout all my time at the club and even to this day, you know, Johnny Reardon, as I say, God rest him, who, who just made me laugh. Maka, God rest him, you know, and Alan Hutch, all of those kind of people, I just met some really decent people who wanted one thing, and that was success for Wickham Wanderers Football Club. So that's probably more of a riding memory. And, and, memory and, and, and even now today, when you go back for games, I was there on, on sadly on Saturday for the Dons game, but you still meet lots of people that, you know, either you've met them, they've met you, whatever it might be, just really nice. So that's probably... My, my overriding thing, Colin, that um, met and worked with some lovely people and going back to the, 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 the obvious one, um, spending time and, and working with, with Martin um, was an absolute education and, and one that I was lucky to get. Fantastic to speak to uh, Jim Melvin, uh, former coach at Wickham Wanderers. The Coventry City uh, League Cup game uh, was in the Coca-Cola Cup. So he was right that it was a drink, uh, just not milk. <laughs> and uh, big thanks to, again, uh, JDT and Alan Hutchison. Uh, more uh, from the Wickham Wanderers ex-players next week. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of the Wickham Wanderer show still to come. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth and Adebayo Akinfenwa. But first, 
Uh, in uh, Wiccan Wanderers at Women News, they went down 7-0 to Moneyfields, although Moneyfields did go top of the table with that win. Um, from what I can see uh, on the uh, FA website, uh, which is quite poorly designed, to be honest, uh, we haven't got a game this coming weekend. Uh, we are next in action against Ascot United uh, on the 13th of February, uh, a 2pm kickoff um, at the Flackwell Heath campus of um, the Bucks College Group. More work needed by the FA there, I think. Definitely, yes. But all the best to Wicked Wonders win. Indeed, yes. Get your uh, website sorted out, FA. Uh, something I did want to mention, which I meant to uh, to bring to uh, your attention last week, uh, is remember the week before uh, we spoke to Alan Gain. Oh yes, and played we, and managed. Absolutely, we mentioned that there couldn't have been too many uh, managers who've done both. Uh, we had a call from Jane, who mentioned um, Peter Sutterby, of course. Of course, because we we spoke to him, and obviously Gareth. Yes. Another big thank you to JDT, who uh, got in touch uh, in his role as Stato. Uh, turns out there are quite Stato, a few. Stato. Barry Darville, 64 to 68. Ted Powell, 76 to 77. John Reardon, 77 to 78. Andy Williams, <laughs> who went on to have other hits. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andy Williams, 78 to 80. Alan Gain, of course, who was our guest, 86 to 87. Peter Sutterby, wow. 87 to 88. That's a lot. And, of course, Gareth Ainsworth, 2012 to, uh, well... We don't know. In addition, in addition, of course, Keith Ryan in 2004 and Terry Evans in 1999 held the reins as interim bosses, and Mike Keane, here's a good fact for you, between 80 and 84 introduced his son Kevin as the youngest ever player to turn out for Wickham. Oh, wow. That yeah. might come up in a pub quiz, might it? And he used to run a camera shop in Marlowe. Absolutely. Yeah. And was manager of Watford for a while as well. Yes. And had a sports shop in Wickham as well. You, you shared a very good uh, uh, Managers of Watford fact with regards to Matt Bloomfield, which I, I, I'm going to let you say because it was your fact. Uh, Matt Bloomfield has been at Wickham Wanderers for 23 Watford managers. That's quite impressive, isn't it? <laughs> also, when he first started playing, uh, neither Facebook or MK Dons existed. <laughs> These are moments in time. They really are, aren't they? 2003 was a long time ago. It was it? a long, long time ago. Sven was England's manager. <laughs> wow. Look at him now. Yes. What is he doing? I'm not quite sure, actually. <laughs> He's probably got some consultancy roles. I would imagine so, yeah, yeah. So, in a different order to usual programmes, let's look back on uh, Saturday. Normally, at this point, we'd be looking ahead to this Saturday. We would, but, yes. But there's but not let's, much let's look ahead to. Um, yeah, it wasn't the, the best afternoon for, for lots of reasons, really. Um, uh, obviously, I, I mean, I spoke to Gareth, uh, funnily enough, uh, about uh, the particular mm. chant because it had already been heard at the Oxford game. Um, and then again at the, the Morecambe game. So I asked him last week, you know, what, what he felt about it. And, uh, you know, he completely uh, condemned it and just said, you know, it's something we don't want in football. Um, and then very disappointingly, obviously, it was heard uh, again on Saturday, uh, even while the team were warming up. Yeah, disappointing that the game had to be halted, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Or stopped, as they say, in a more more modern way. <laughs> yes, uh, and, you know, and genuinely for a little while, Paused. it did look like the Wickham players were possibly going to walk off. Um, I think we have to give credit to particularly uh, Dean Lewington from MK Dons, who, who did uh, try and intervene and clearly was gesturing to um, any of the, the, the morons uh, who were on the Valley Terrace, who were, were sorry, not on the Valley Terrace, uh, who were in the town end, who were chanting it uh, to, to stop. Um, you know, which was was really good to see that actually MK were taking it seriously as well, and obviously they tweeted as well, uh, condemning it at half time. Um, but just very, very disappointing. Um, obviously, you know, a, a disappointing afternoon uh, all round, really. 
she's on the pitch as well. It was, it was, it was. Well, there were times I think when Wickham were, were in the game. You'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was one of those games. Gareth said a couple of weeks ago. I think that you know you'll, you'll have five games that you'll easily win in a season, five games that you'll, you'll definitely lose, and it, this was one of the thirty-six where it easily could have gone either way. Um, whoever got the first goal, yes, you know, was was possibly going to go on and win it, and sure enough, uh, MK unfortunately did. Uh, Gareth did sound a little hoarse after the game, but yes, uh, was, yes, was, was reflecting on it with Phil. Gareth, the Bucks being you've come out on the wrong end of another narrow defeat there. Oh, no, we, didn't. we lost both, didn't we, in the Bucks Derbies this year, but, um, you know, 2 1 nils. Uh, MK Dons, credit to them, you know, the players on the pitch were, were good, they packed their defence out, they defended us really well. Um, some real solid performances by some of their players, and. Uh, Scott Twine having a great season, nicked the goal. Um, we didn't react quick enough to, to the bounce off, and, and you know that's the tale of the game. There wasn't many brilliant chances in this game, you know, today, and uh, and it's, it's going to be like that, you know, top of the league tables, and and but it's great to be involved in a fourth versus fifth or whatever it was, and and Bucks Derby, and like I said, shows how far we've come, and, and proud of the boys, proud of the efforts, but I know we've got to work on a little bit of quality, in it, and uh, when we get that ball up there and it comes back out, we've got to settle it better. We've got to. We've got to be able to um, play that killer pass, play that that pass that will enable us to get a great cross in the box or get us into the opposition box, and uh, and we didn't do that today. But MK worked really hard to stop us doing it, you know. So uh, that's the tale of the game, and uh, and well done, MK. Um, hopefully, we'll be back, and uh, and we can uh, you know we can get some points off the, the upcoming games. Half-time substitution, uh, quite rare. For it you, is, yeah. Wickham, Sam Vokes in a change of shape as well. Was was that premeditated or was that reacting to the game? Because I know Vokes is coming back from, from COVID. Um, if Sam Vokes had been back from COVID earlier, I think we probably would have started with that shape. You know, I think that would have caused MK more problems. But again, one of those things, Hans tied a little bit. He only trained for 10 minutes yesterday after his, his COVID and... Uh, it happens, you know, and uh, and and it happened to us. Uh, Josh Cohen as well being out, and Dominic Gape, some key players out at the moment. And uh, and once we get them back, and and Volksie firing again, and um, I had a really strong bench, and like I say, proud of the squad. I'm sure we're going to be up and around it at the end of the season. Just uh, just a little blip at the moment, and uh, the boys are down, but they'll be up rocking again on uh, on Monday, Tuesday to uh, hopefully work hard on on the next games, Cheltenham. Um, Lincoln and first of all Shrewsbury good games to go into you know good games to get back on the horse and uh, and start riding fast and, and that's what we need to do if we want to keep with this top pack but there's been some crazy results today as well you know um, sixes and sevens and a one nil seems pretty tame I think we might go under the radar so but we'll be back uh, back to back defeats and, and no game <clears throat> next weekend is that a good or a bad thing because sometimes you just think well let's get this one out of the system but there's no game next Saturday no it's good it gives us plenty of time to reflect and work on this game and have a look and uh, there's always stuff to work on yeah I'm, I'm frustrated there's a few little bits I want to work on I don't want to give it away too much because people will be saying oh they've worked on that so leave it to me and my staff who I'm very proud of and uh, and we'll be back on the uh, on the winning trail pretty soon I'm sure the game was disrupted because of chanting from the away end and the game was stopped momentarily and yeah. you spoke to the ref and <clears throat> Dean Lewington spoke to Adebayo Akinfema and then gestured to the fans mm. and the MK Dons had to do a tweet at half-time. Um, what was your take on it all? My take was uh, there's a chant going around at the moment which is below the line of acceptability. You know, There's banter and there's, and there's a little bit of, a, of stick that people give each other but just drop below the line of... of being acceptable I think the referee was aware of that that's why he stopped the game I went over to speak to him and uh, 
I think protection of the players is very, very important and uh, and standards. Listen, I'm not perfect by any means. I, I'm not saying I am. I've made mistakes in my life, but you, you seem to make that mistake and then you learn and you, and you don't do it again. This seems to be happening and again and again, and it's uh, it's really disappointing. Um, I'm hoping that us keep reporting these things. We'll get reacting on because there's no place for this stuff in football, you know. Whether it's racist, homophobic, or, or just derogatory chants, I think I think they're out of order. Like I say, I know there's a there's a people will be saying, oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> there's a line, and I think you know you slightly drop below that. You've got to you've got to have a look at yourself. But listen, Liam Manning has apologised, and he doesn't need to. And Pete Winkleman apologised. He doesn't need to. It's the people who are singing it need to apologise and they need to go to Akinfama and look him in the face and apologise. I'm not sure many of them will do that, but uh, it's something that we don't want in football and I'll leave it at that. Really interesting to get the thoughts of the manager and Adebayo Akinfama uh, spoke to Bianca from Sky Sports after the game as well. Bayo, it's disappointing on... Yeah, listen, for some reason, this chance come about. I think we... I first heard of it two games ago, so I think we played Oxford here. Um, heard it um, I think they started saying about the gaffer then my name and then call it got left um, then Morgan we reported it and then today and look for me and people who know me follow me look I can take jokes I'm, I'm all for the entertainment I can take jokes I can take bants um, if my kids were here and there's kids here if my kids were here and that was what it was it was like look where has this come from where is this trend come from and I, I, the reason why I went up there and started to say look you can come out you can come out was for those that can't put this on their shoulders look people I don't know I've always said this if, you, if I don't know you how can you you can't affect me but there's going to be individuals out there that they would feel some type of way and what I wanted to happen now was for it to get nipped in the bud look it's not a trend it's not it's not funny like the words they're saying the chance they're saying it, there's no bands to it there's no like I, we went away to Ipswich a couple of weeks back and we went back and forth and it was bands and there was I, I didn't mind going back and forth with them and it was just some entertainment this is not so for me what I want to come out of this is nip it in the bud and some people be like oh listen it's a joke and you know if you know me I can take a joke I mean, that's not a joke so let's please nip that in the bud whatever the authorities need to do shut it down and we'll keep it moving players can take stick they can take the banter but there is a line and yeah. that was absolutely crossed today wasn't yeah. it do you feel like because of what happened you know the game was momentarily paused Gareth Ainsworth spoke to the opponent's bench he also spoke to the referee and I think MK Dons have actually released a statement apologising yeah. for what's happened do you feel like that, that'll be the end of it now? Listen, for me, maybe the chairman came up to me, the manager came up to me and said, that's not what they stand for. I said, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Took bigger them to say that. Look, as long as whatever it comes out and it doesn't happen again, then I can handle this on my shoulders. I keep saying that. As long as no next player has to be hearing this when there's kids in there, it can be put to rest and be shut down as long as it don't happen again. So, for me, anywhere that knows me knows I'll take it on my shoulders out here, but they've crossed the line. Enough's enough we spoke on it as long as it don't happen again i'm good 
Credit to uh, Pete Winkleman and the MK Dons staff, I think, for, for saying uh, to Bayo and Gareth uh, and apologising. Uh, complete credit to Bayo, it has to be said, um, for hanging about for, for a good half an hour, if not longer, after the game, signing interviews. I'm sure all he really wanted to do after that experience was probably uh, go into the dressing room uh, and then just, just get away from the ground. But no, you, as always, after games at, at Wickham Wanderers, there's so many kids wanting to speak to him to get his autograph. Uh, and you know, and he still did all of that on Saturday, which was great. Couple of other things uh, from the first half as well that I thought were, were really good, um, and it's nice to actually be able to put a positive spin on this game because you will have heard so many negatives about it. Uh, first of all, the uh, minutes applause for Richard Bignall, uh, which was was absolutely fantastically observed, not only by uh, the Chairboys fans but also by those from MK Dons. Uh, you know, he will be very, very much missed. Uh, and then also the incident that happened just before half time when. A fan was taken ill on the Valley Terrace um, and all of those on the Valley Terrace uh, made uh, a, a, a big noise to alert David Stockdale and then those uh, on the uh, the benches who are obviously trained in first aid uh, and both Wickham and MK Dons um, members ran across uh, and tended to the fan who luckily uh, then was okay as well but you know a couple of, of positive things uh, in amongst um, the MK Dons gloom. Definitely. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And a quick mention for the two midfielders arriving on deadline day as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that's really, really good. Uh, great to have Lewis Wing. Um, very pleased to have him on uh, the, the Wanderers team. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. Um, and of course, we've also made a loan signing as well. Uh, so Jack Young has joined us uh, from Newcastle United. Oh, see, that's it. We've ended on a very positive day. Yeah, indeed, yes. Hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Obviously, no game to look forward to uh, on Saturday. Ooh. What will you be doing on Saturday? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I haven't really decided yet. I've rather sprung that on you, haven't I? Actually? You have, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be, yeah. I, I might fall asleep, actually. We've got the Shrewsbury game. Shrewsbury. Uh, no, definitely Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury. Till it back on next week, and we'll be uh, proving an interesting uh, run of fixtures as well, as we're into February now. Yeah, and uh, interesting what Matt Bloomfield was saying about, you know, the, the season is suddenly going to come quite quickly to an end, isn't it? 17 to go.